Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This episode of Gators Breakdown is brought to you by MyBookie. Use promo code Gators to double your first deposit. Only at MyBookie.ag. Want more Gators Breakdown? Join Gators Breakdown Plus. Starting at $3 a month, get access to unique episodes, plus a blog, chat room, giveaways, shoutouts, and more. Gators Breakdown Plus is furthering the interaction with fans and listeners like you. Head to GatorsBreakdown.SupportingCast.FM to join Gators Breakdown Plus today. Gators Breakdown, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. It is Florida USF this weekend. Third game in a row in the swamp for the Gators to kick off the season. One and one heading into this game versus the USF Bulls. And to help me break it all down in a different fashion this week, we're going to get Seth Varnador on uh, of Seth Varnador Films. You might know him there from YouTube and Alligator Army, where he he breaks down the Gators from a coach's perspective. He joins us on this episode. He's a former coach. He'll give us some great insight on what he sees on film from these Gators from a coach's perspective. So, you know, USF, I know not really getting many people excited there. So kind of going to preview this a, a, a bit different, what we've seen from the Gators the last couple of weeks. Seth also covers USF, so it gives us a little bit of insight on that team toward the end of the interview. And then I'll give you a little bit of players to watch, some background info on USF heading into the game. So different style this week, a little more coach's perspective a little more breaking down film with Seth does a really good job you guys are going to enjoy uh, what he has to say and what he saw on film uh, versus Kentucky and we go back a little bit to, to, to Utah as well but I know uh, of course recency bias yeah, we'll, we'll come into play here and the performance versus Kentucky was not good so we will get Seth's thoughts on that also later this week think of it as an extra episode of Gators Breakdown this week Gator great wide receiver SEC Network analyst Chris Doring hops on Gators Breakdown. We'll get his thoughts on the Gators one-on-one start as well. So a lot coming at you this week from guest on Gators Breakdown. Before we get to Seth, hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube. Subscribe. Get those notifications. When there's a new Gators Breakdown, you get that notification. Sit there. Watch it. And while you're watching, leave a comment. Leave me what you think about USF, what you think about Florida right now. 
your support with the likes, the comments, the, the subscriptions really, really help Gators Breakdown grow. You can check us out at the home of Gators Breakdown, news4jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. Even more Gator coverage there. And Gators Breakdown Plus, of course, keep that conversation going. If you want to talk Gator football with some fellow Gator fans, join that Discord. It's always, always hopping for some really good football conversation this week. A really good uh, question and answer episode coming your way. Really good question sent, of course, based off of everything we saw last week. Kind of some projection. Uh, where did the Gators go from here as well? Some really good questions. Get that extra episode at Gators Breakdown Plus. Link is in the description. All right, now here we are on Gators Breakdown with my guest, Seth Varnador. A lot of you may know him from his YouTube channel, Seth Varnador Films. He's been breaking down the Gators a whole lot. And, you know, basically recently, I know within the last year or so, and then a whole lot with Billy Napier coming on board as well. Also, you can find his work at Alligator Army, uh, where he does a lot covering the Gators as well. Seth, man, thanks for uh, hopping on Gators Breakdown for the first time. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. I'm excited. I know this is uh, this is one of the premier shows in Gatorland, so it's awesome to get the opportunity to come on and talk with you. Absolutely. Way, way overdue, by the way. So I'm glad I'm, I'm glad it's finally happening here. Uh, my bad on that part of it. So look, <laughs> no, we're, we're getting it settled down right here, uh, coming off of a, a very disappointing performance uh, for the Gators. But Seth, let everybody know uh, kind of your background and, uh, <laughs> you know, how much you share out there on YouTube and stuff. You know, there's a background behind it. Yeah, I, so I um I grew up a huge football fan, uh, a Gator fan. Uh, my uh, my my grandpa graduated from Florida. My um, my dad went to Florida, then actually transferred to be with my mom uh, when they were getting married. Um, and I, I ended up getting my MBA from Florida, so I, I have a Florida connection. But I I played a little bit in college. Uh, got hurt, kind of got out of the game there. But I, in high school, I played for Kerwin Bell at Ocala Trinity Catholic. And I got into coaching in my early 20s, uh, coached at the high school level for a while, had some success, had a had an Under Armour All-American quarterback, um, regional title, that kind of stuff, had some success, got a chance to go coach at the college level for another Gator, Jerry Odom. I coached for him at Tusculum College, now Tusculum University. Um, coached tight ends, uh, got offered the quarterback's job, but – we're not all making Jimbo Fisher money at that level. So <laughs> I, I, um, I, 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 my wife and I wanted to kind of grow our family a little bit. So I kind of ducked out, went to the private sector. Um, I helped my brother out. He, he was coached for, he was a head coach in high school in Florida. So I helped him out for a couple of years, kind of part time, but uh, got out of coaching and, and I needed something to kind of keep me connected to the game or I was going to go crazy. So I started, um, I initially started with, uh, the Daily Stampede, because Kerwin Bell got hired as USF's offensive coordinator in 2019. So I messaged them right before the season said, hey, I, I played for Kerwin. I kind of know what he does. If you want somebody to come on and talk about um, the scheme side of it, I'd love to do it. And and that's kind of started from there. And then towards the end of the 2020 season, I started doing some Florida stuff. Uh, Gator Country brought me on. I went there. And then uh, the start of the 2021 season, I moved over to Alligator Army and have been doing the breakdowns for them. So that's kind of me up to this point. Yeah, I mean, I've been checking it out. Uh, you know, cover cover Florida, but the, definitely no background with coaching. You know, the, the scheme part of it, it's not my strong suit. I, I get better. I, and look, hey, I get to learn from guys like you out there now. Right. Put putting this stuff out there, so that really really helps a lot. But yeah, great work, everybody. If you can, uh, you know, check it out. 
really good, um, at least recently, uh, Kentucky look back, Utah look back as well to check out Seth's recent work there on Seth Bonador Films on YouTube. So, Seth, we'll get to it. Your most recent one right here. I watched your film analysis, the review of Kentucky, and as we know, wasn't pretty for Florida. No. Florida playing a good Kentucky defense, so we'll give us some credit there too. Uh, in game two of the Billy Napier era, big step back you know, from the week before versus Utah. Yeah, I think one of the understated elements of the game, just coming into the game, is that can, Utah, and if I put out a preview before the Utah game as well, I didn't think their defense was very good coming into the game. I, I had questions about Florida's offense and didn't know if they were going to be consistent enough to take advantage, and they were. But the Kentucky defense is much better than the Utah. And from a personnel standpoint, I think the scheme is somewhat similar in terms of what they're trying to do. I think both of them are trying to limit explosive plays. And, and you saw – and you see that Florida's kind of struggled in that area in the first two games. But Kentucky's personnel is much better on defense. So I thought Florida would struggle more. I didn't think they'd struggle as much as they did. I thought they'd do enough to win the game. But um, – that was, I think that was kind of maybe a shock to their system as well because Kentucky is a lot more physical than Utah, despite what you may hear in the national media. Utah's defense is not that physical. Kentucky's a lot more athletic in the back end, so a little bit tougher to get open. But you know, I thought they, I thought there'd be some struggle, but not quite as much as we saw, and not in the different ways. There, there's plenty of blame to go around on the offense. Yeah, we'll get into some of that here. But, of course, we start at the quarterback position. That is the headline there for the Gators. Seth, I mean, how how much concern should there be from Anthony Richardson's performance? The, the Utah game wasn't perfect, but he played well and much more accurate, able to make plays with his legs that were not there versus Kentucky. How much of it was what Kentucky was doing? I mean, this, this is the second season in a row now where a Florida quarterback has looked good coming into the game. Now, Emory Jones had two games where he didn't start off too good at the beginning of the season, but then played well versus Alabama, played well versus Tennessee. All right, did not see the Kentucky game coming. Uh, and then Mark Stoops shuts him down. And Anthony Richardson, kind of the same thing. A pretty good performance versus Utah, making plays with his arms, making plays with his legs. And then game time comes around, Mark Stoops, uh, defensive coordinator White there at Kentucky, come up with a game plan to just really limit – uh, the, the the running portion of this quarterback and how much concern should there be with Anthony Richardson's performance? I think obviously there's some concern because he played poorly, but I, I think there's also an element of him being a young quarterback. The Utah game, think of how long he had to prepare for that game and how mm -hmm. many times he got to see the same looks in practice over and over and over and really get comfortable with it. And he looked like he had great command in that game. Um, this game, he looked a little bit more confused at times. It, that could just be it's a young guy who hasn't played a ton. And there's sometimes I even went over it kind of in the video where he's technically making the right decision based on like number counts and things like that, that that are in the offense. But he could make a better decision just doing something else. There's a couple where he throws the screen out wide and technically he has the numbers, but he's also got really good numbers in the box and you could have stayed with the run. So those kind of things I think will come in with experience. Uh, but his accuracy was an issue. Now, some of that was him just totally missing. There were some where he just misses. But there were a few times where he's getting guys pushing his lap, and I'm not seeing a lot of people talk about that. I thought the offensive line uh, struggled a little bit in this game. At times, they were really good, and, and, and other times they kind of struggled, and Kentucky got some pressure around Richardson's legs, and I think that contributed to his inaccuracy as well. Yeah, that's kind of what it was when, when you go back and look at it. And I caught it in a rewatch, and then also of your film analysis, it's just like – 
things couldn't come together for Florida, you know, especially early on in the game. They hit a big play and then they couldn't build off of it. And then it was either somebody missed a block or Anthony Richardson missed yeah. a read or he missed a throw or the wide receiver would drop it. It was just like none of, n- nothing come together at, at all for any kind of consistency. Yeah, and that's kind of the – and we talked about it last week um, when you hosted a, a Spaces on Twitter, which yeah. was awesome to listen to everybody jump in and really cool that you do that. But um, just the, this Kentucky defense and the way they played Florida and they did it last year as well, they're going to make you kind of slowly execute down the field. They're not going to give up anything over the top. And now it would help Florida if they were a little bit more explosive outside, but they're not. So Kentucky's defensive backs are able to kind of stay with them. Uh, even when guys are open – uh, in terms of leverage, the, the guys are pretty close in the hip pocket at times, but they're going to make you slowly execute down the field. And if you, when you don't convert third downs, when you get yourself in third and longs a lot, I think we talked about the Utah game. The average third down distance was five yards against Kentucky was seven. So that's kind of you go from third and medium to seven is kind of third and long now. So it kind of changes what you can do offensively. So that kind of little errors in execution. And then there was the weird stuff like. Kentucky jumping off sides and Florida trying to quick yeah. snap and catch him, but he didn't jump off sides. So you just wasted down right there after, you know, you get a nice completion on uh, second down previously, get the first down, the second down, come back and waste that play totally. Now you're in third and 10. So there are some things like that where they just couldn't, like you said, they couldn't quite get it all together. And it, it just never quite seemed to gel. There, there were drives, there were moments where there were sequences where it looked really good. And then it would just go right back to kind of not being able to one guy messing up or two guys and not being able to quite finish drives. So yeah, something really popular of course is uh, of course he's going to get scrutinized and really looking deep at it, but offensive play calls. Uh, and as I said, I thought first half for the most part was pretty good. Just now we just kind of got through talking about the execution part of it mm-hmm. and how it was lacking the, and the consistency there. And look, I, I know while I, at the game, it certainly felt like the, the plays were there earlier, and rewatch did kind of show that. But maybe not as many in the second half. But if I had to pick a side, I'm overwhelmingly going towards and, and faulting the execution. Now, if that continues, that eventually turns into a coaching a coaching yeah. issue down the road as well. But enough plays were there. It's just, what did you feel about the play call? I, I thought some of the play calls were actually there. Yeah, and and Napier kind of said as much as, as you just said there that it's you know, eventually it's it's on the coaches. Execution is on the coaches, right? So they have to figure out what their guys can execute and call it. Uh, but I, I didn't think it was terrible. The thing that you, you know, people need to realize with this offense is there's like some, there's two or three options on almost every play to where the quarterback has to make the decision. Hmm. So is that too much freedom for a young quarterback? Maybe, but it also, if the guys, if he's seeing it, it can get you out of some bad plays and get you into a good one. So I think at times maybe maybe you would have felt better if you just, hey, we're running the ball pretty well. Let's just stick with it. Don't just Let's just call the run straight up. Don't have anything attached to it. But then that can get you in some problems too if, if you do that. So I thought, like you said, I thought there was some stuff there. There was plays to be made, I thought. Um, there were some that were, I, you know, I think, and I think they even acknowledged that in April, so there were four or five. They put them in a bad look. Yeah. Um, I think a couple of those were some third down screens, third and long screens that were just had no chance of even if you get one guy, the guy that you miss blocked, you still don't have a chance with him. So there was a few of those, but I thought for the most part, 
it was good. And and the other thing I, I've been seeing a lot is kind of people complaining about flexing out the running backs and flexing out the tight ends outside the receivers. I, I think they thought Kentucky's corners were pretty good. And if Kentucky's going to sit in zone, then when I get the when I put my running back outside the receiver, the corner goes and covers my running back now, and now my receiver's on a safety. Same thing the other side. I put the tight end out wide. The corner, who's the better player, goes out to the tight end, and now I got my receiver on a safety. And I think that's the matchup they were trying to exploit, but it you couldn't you couldn't quite get it hooked up when you, when you'd have a, a pretty good throw, you'd have drops. When you have a guy open, you'd have a overthrow or a misthrow. So. Just one of those nights, um, but yeah, they got they got to get. A, I'm sure they'll get better, um, but it's yeah, it's going to be. I think it's, it will be a struggle at times this year, but I think this is one of the better defenses you're going to play. So that's mm-hmm. helpful to going forward. Yeah, Seth, it's funny you and I didn't talk about what we were going to talk about before this, but the the one thing I I made a mental note of that I really like what you said was that matchup part of. Flexing out a tight end or yeah. running back and trying to get a receiver on the safety. I like. I, I really. I, re, I really like that aspect of it. Uh, and then seeing it kind of play out uh, there Saturday night versus Kentucky as well. And I, I do want to extend on something because that would, you kind of read my mind was one topic I did want to get into the decision making for, from Anthony Richardson. And obviously there are times you know Richard changes to play, makes a check at the line. Maybe Florida should stick with the run game more, as you said, yeah. uh, with some of the game plans moving forward. But in most situations, you'd like to be able to trust your quarterback <laughs> to make the yeah. right calls if you want this offense to kind of live up to its capability. How much leeway do you give your quarterback when he's struggling to make the right decisions? And, and extending that thought and, and something I agree with you on, there were not many chances for Richardson to actually keep the ball. Uh, no, I didn't think so. That seemed Kentucky. to be the yeah. That seemed to be the over the what I heard from everybody after the yeah. game, and I went back and watched. It. I was like, I don't see it. Yeah, I didn't see it live, and I mm. seen it replay, and then watching your film, so I was like, good. I, I don't think I missed that part of it. I didn't think yeah. there were many chances for that either, because I I was going back to Kentucky's game last year against Florida again to kind of go back to that. Very similar. They had a lot of guys with their eyes in the backfield. They're going to make sure. <laughs> that quarterback was not going to take off and make some plays with his legs. So, you know, taking all that into account, wh- wh- where do you lie on the mental part of it for Richardson so far? Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I think it'll be interesting to watch how they what they do going forward because Utah game, he was bang on. Now, like I said, maybe it's a young guy that had a lot of practice time against this look and he was really comfortable with the game plan and, and they had a long time to prepare first game of the year. Um, so maybe they thought they could put a little bit more on him going into the second game, and and maybe he's not quite there, um, or he maybe just had a bad game. I mean, mm-hmm. that I think that'll be something going forward. We'll have to kind of pay attention to, but they're not going to eliminate that. It's a big part of the offense, and a lot of the times we're the other complaint I've seen is we're throwing a lot of horizontal and bubble screens. Well, sometimes it's because like Kentucky's like yeah, throw them. We're going to fall off and cover everything deep. Sometimes you have to keep in the tight end in the back in protection because we're killing you up front. Uh, so then there's there's nowhere else to go with the ball, really. So I think some of those were not necessarily by design. It just kind of ends up happening. Uh, but, you know, that 
like I said, I think this Kentucky defense is going to end up – when we look back on the season, we're going to say, okay, that's one of the better ones. And then, yeah, just on the surface, I think you got to start looking – Georgia's going to be number one, of course, <laughs> with, yeah. with yeah. that defense. And then well, not, we don't need to look forward to that one. Yeah, yeah. And then you probably do you go Kentucky after that? I mean, Kentucky A and M's, A&M's, got, A&M's yeah. got the talent, but we'll see. Kind of, uh, they'll we'll see how they do this weekend with with a quarterback that's pretty good. Now, the the I think the issue with Florida is, and I think this is kind of not this isn't a secret, is the lack of explosiveness at receiver. It, that that really kind of limits what you can do and how you can these teams like a Georgia and a Kentucky where they will they do have some athletes that can cover your guys if you don't have somebody that can kind of get open explosively down the field that they have to respect they can really start pinning down on you in the run game and you saw Kentucky safeties were really nosy in the run game there are times they're getting down there and making the tackle at six yards where if you got, if you have now, this may be something you see next year with this class they got coming in with a bunch of explosive guys. Where mm-hmm. now I got to stay, I I can't play that downhill at safety because I'm going to get toasted over the top if I do. Um, but this Kentucky defense is going to, when we look back, it's going to be probably, I mean, at worst, probably top three. Just kind of thinking through the schedule real quick, yeah, because they are, they've got some talent, they've got length. They recruit. I think Kentucky does a really good job recruiting. If you notice, a lot of really good players, their first offers are often from Kentucky. If you kind of go look through, they do a really good job identifying guys early. They don't always keep them, but they're starting to keep more of them. But that mix with scheme and and the kind of talent and length that they have make them tough to deal with. And I don't think you're going to see a ton of that the rest of the year. So. That's good news. The bad news is you, <laughs> bad news is you had to play him this week. So, yeah. So he said, deep ball certainly concerned. Longest pass so far this year, twenty eight yards uh, for Anthony Richardson. Definitely something Florida's got to get better uh, there. Teams are certainly playing that a bit. And Seth, I kind of get going as you're saying with the receiver. Florida, Florida can't dictate that part of it, and uh, partly mm-hmm. because of receiver. And you know, Pierce all. Uh, I believe still if that holds true. Every catch so far is a first down for him, but probably need to find a way to to get the ball to him a yeah. bit more. And that's like and going to the screens, you know, I think that's part of it too. I don't necessarily mind the screens; it's just who they're throwing them to, and that, that might be the change where you the, the screens. I don't think are coming out of the playbook. And when you can't, no. when you want to try and help the run game, you know, we've always heard it over and over again. It's an extension of the run game. A lot of the times, their screenplays are. Okay, maybe Henderson's just not the guy to do. I don't mind the screenplays, but maybe get somebody there who can make a guy miss, especially if Shorter's going to keep missing some of those blocks out there. <laughs> yeah, that, that's I think that's the bigger issue. Is there's a couple times where it looks like he's got some room, and then and then you you lose the block, and then the play's over. Um, but yeah, I, they just don't. And this was something even last year. You kind of like, where's the guy with some wiggle? And Pearsall, I think, is a. Uh, He's a good route runner. I don't know. We'll see. That's what, like, like you said, all his catches have been first down. Hasn't, haven't seen a ton of catch and run from him mm-hmm. to see what kind of what he has in the open field. So, and that's he's going a guy back that to has, his Arizona State. Day. I mean, he, he he did show it there. Now we know yeah. this is different, but you know, you'd like to maybe yeah. see since that was kind of one of the reasons you went to go get a wide receiver like him was to be able to do those type of things. Yeah, you need that. We need that wiggle and that guy. He's he's doing a great job, I think, route running in the slot and and kind of giving you a lot there. But you do need that wiggle guy that can make a guy miss in the open field and and really makes really makes defenses really keep their eyes out there when you're when you're looking to those screens. You know, make if we make them commit numbers, and that's one reason you throw them too. Mm -hmm. I'm going to throw it out there because you don't have your numbers out there. 
And now once you put your numbers out there, now I'm going to run the ball, which I think is what they want to come back to. So it's a constraint play. So if, if you try to load up the box to stop my run, I got to throw it out there and get you out of the box. So if they're throwing them and then don't block them and then the guy, the guy you have catching them is not making it happen, you kind of allow people to defend both, which is not great. Mm. Well, you mentioned the run game, and that's one more hot topic here. And uh, you mentioned it on your on film review. And, look, this is not really that big of a secret, and we keep seeing it now. Looks like Florida's got two backs that have really kind of separated themselves from a pack of three that, we, that we've seen the first couple of games. Uh, I don't know when it's going to change or, what, or how it's going to change. I did kind of throw up on Twitter today. It was about that third game. You know, Montreal Johnson was a true freshman last year for Billy Napier at Louisiana. It was about that third game before he started getting double-digit carries and maybe started you know, getting the trust of the coaches a bit more. So, said in, in the film review for, from two games, it's got to be pretty clear that you got two guys that really are kind of separating themselves. And you know, Florida's going to get Naquan Wright involved. We was talking about maybe trying to get creative in this offense a little bit, maybe involved more in the passing attack as you know, far as a, a, back, a running back out of the backfield. But as far as looking at the run game, ETN and Johnson are really just kind of head and shoulders above right now. Yeah, they look like they're really comfortable in the scheme and they really understand – kind of how how it hits and how it hits when you know you get certain looks and certain fronts johnson in particular seems pretty adept at that and has really good vision and patience etn's just got on that kind of another gear that nobody else seems to have in that backfield even johnson he when he breaks out he doesn't have kind of that last gear at least we haven't seen it yet yeah uh etn seems to have that gear and he seems to have the vision it's just kind of a naturally gifted runner and and has kind of a little wiggle to him too. I mean, we saw in his touchdown run, he broke that guy off and his Whew. his, you know, his jock strap still on the five yard line there <laughs> or wherever. So uh I think those guys have definitely earned right. We Napier talked about earning the right to win. I think those guys have earned the right to have some more carries. So I'm sure we'll see more of them going forward. But there, there's some you Naquan Wright's got uh, like you said, some catch out of the backfield ability. He's a guy that you could throw screens to and let, like he's got a little wiggle. Um, but I, you know, I'd be, I think you'd be all right throwing those to ETN too. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Kind of a that two point conversion, a little bit of you know yeah. his his ability to kind of stay a little bit hidden and then kind of yeah. yeah pop pop out there and get that two point conversion. Um, so looking at the offense, Seth, and you mentioned USF, and you were you, you were telling me before we came on here too that you you cover UCF a, a USF a bit uh, yeah. at, at the same time. So what is the what is the attack plan here? You know, you let Richardson go out and pass a bit more to try and regain some of that confidence. Hope it gets him back on track a bit, or do you take the last game into account and start leaning on that run game a little bit more? Well, I think you're going to be able to kind of do what you want in the run game. Uh, USF, they're they're they have a new coordinators on both sides of the ball. The transition on defense has not been quite as smooth. Now they were really bad last year, like one of the worst defenses in the country. I think they're a little bit better this year. But they're not – if you go back and watch them against BYU – now, BYU does have a couple NFL linemen, so they're, they're pretty good up front, but they're blowing guys like five, six yards off the ball, really establishing a new line of scrimmage in similar schemes that Florida's going to run. So Florida's going to have a great kind of look at how USF is going to play them based on that BYU game. USF's also struggled with tempo at times in the first couple of games. So if Florida can get some first downs and start stringing stuff together and go fast with tempo with motion, I think is going to give them some problems. But and, and then they, they've also kind of struggled when, whenever they bring pressure, somebody seems to pop open. So this is a defense that's struggling. Florida should really be able to kind of 
get back going here on offense, I would imagine. Uh, but in the run game, they should kind of be able to do whatever they want. And then you'd think play action off that you'd have some good opportunities. So I, I think this is a this is a game coming at a good time for Florida's offense. And kind of extend it a little bit more. What do you do with Rich? Do, do you, I mean, you mentioned the run game will probably be there. Do you let him come out and start winging it maybe? And then if that's still not working, okay, well, we can fall back on the run game. Or do you let the run set up maybe making it a little bit easier for Richardson? Yeah, I don't. I mean, I think it's kind of you should. This should be a game where you're pretty comfortable doing either or. Okay. Um, but I, there is something to set having the run game early, making them commit bodies to the box. I'll be interested to see how they play Florida. They may come out and try to play aggressive. This defensive coordinator has been really aggressive in the past. Um, I think he was the coordinator at, if you remember, at Mississippi State when Bowen's first year when they went back. I think it was him. Bob Shoup, he was the... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yep, okay. So they had a really good defense at Mississippi State, and he was really aggressive. Um, so I, I, But he hasn't quite shown that yet. I think it's because he's working guys in, and every time they try to get aggressive, they seem to get burned. That's been some bad luck. But, you know, they maybe they want to just follow the Kentucky blueprint and try to load up the box and have safeties working downhill in the run game. And uh, But I, I think r- run early, kind of see how they're playing you, and then if, they, if they're playing you that aggressively, you should be able to get some shots over the top. But um, this should be a good game for the Florida offense. If it's not, then you have real, 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 real concerns. <laughs> yeah, okay. We'll be looking for that then. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, last thoughts that um, I know uh, not to kind of just throw them out there, but you know, this, the, the offense has really kind of been the, the, the focal point. But what do you see from the Florida defense and in, in the improvement from uh, Utah to Kentucky? And the, in, in your film review, it was just focused on the offense as well yeah. this week. But definitely – uh, an improvement on that side of the ball this week. Yeah, they they played great. I thought they they definitely played well enough to win. Um, and th- that was kind of the, there's there was kind of a switch. I thought the Utah offense was really good, and and the Utah defense was not as good. Uh, and then I thought it was kind of vice versa for Kentucky. I thought Kentucky's defense would be better than Utah's, and Kentucky's offense would be worse. But they, I mean, outside of a couple plays, they really kind of put a stranglehold on Kentucky. And if the offense doesn't give up you know, a touchdown in two really short fields, you know, you're, you're holding them to like nine points or something like that. So I think the offense gave up, really gave up like 17 points. So you're holding uh, a first round draft pick at quarterback under 10 <laughs> points. That's pretty good. Um, so I, I thought they played really well and it's kind of, it, it kind of went how I think a lot of we, we, I know when we talked about it on the space, how, how we kind of thought it might with they're able to shut down the run game put Levis in some tougher pass situations and kind of and did a really good job getting off the field. So I thought, I thought the defense played really well and uh, they'll have some, uh, the USF's got some guys with some explosiveness they'll have to worry about, but I, I, I just don't think they're good enough up front. So the way, I think the way the defensive line played is really good going forward. Cause even though Kentucky's not great up front, you really did dominate them up front and you had a bunch of guys kind of rotating in and getting playing time and all of them played pretty well. So you got to feel pretty good about that going forward because that is definitely a position where you had some concern coming into the season. Yeah, speaking of that, this is probably hopefully one game for the first time. I mean, Florida's played with a lot of young guys anyway, but now it's going to be a game where you can get young guys a lot of reps. <laughs> so uh, that's you know we, we we've seen it. We've seen it out there the first couple of weeks, but now you're hoping you take advantage and, and get those guys even more reps and save those you know veterans out there that don't yeah. need to be on the field a whole lot because they're not deep. They're not deep. No, yeah, the depth is an issue, but uh, yeah, you probably don't need 
uh, Dexter playing like 65 snaps. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. I don't De- think that's going to happen this week. But. Yeah, I better not see him in the fourth quarter at all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, Seth Bonnerdor joining us right here on Gators Breakdown. One more time, check him out on YouTube. Seth Bonnerdor Films, giving him some great, great breakdowns there of the Gators uh, recently in video form and on Alligator Army. What you got coming up on Alligator Army, Seth? I'll have a USF preview. I kind of I, I did a little write up with the Kentucky. They go, went along with the Kentucky video uh, that posted today. But I'll have uh, probably a USF preview on Friday. It'll be uh, maybe a little video and um, some some numbers I like to look at before games. Just some kind of advanced stat numbers that I think kind of help you understand how the game's going to go, or at least kind of what what kind of teams you got coming in strength wise. So I'll have that on Friday probably. Sounds good. Sounds good. Seth Barnardor joining us right here on Gators Breakdown. Thank you, Seth. All right. Thank you. While the Chargers and Chiefs prepare for a battle of the AFC West on Thursday night, prepare for your winning season at MyBookie. Some like to bet to earn. Some bet to make the season more exciting. Either way, MyBookie gives you the most for your money with a double deposit bonus. It's quick and easy. A $250 deposit puts $500 in your account instantly and you can use your funds to bet on as many games, contests, and props as you want. To claim your bonus, register today. Use promo code GATERS, designed to add more excitement to the games and sports you love. That's promo code GATERS to double your money up to 1000 bucks with MyBookie. It's only week two of the NFL season, week three of college football, which means there's still plenty of time to get in on the action. Don't miss out. Begin your winning season today exclusively at MyBookie using promo code GATERS. All right, let's get to it. Florida, USF. I know, hard to get excited about this one (laughs) after last week. Gators 1-1 coming in. USF 1-1 as well. Let's take a look at the stats, a stat comparison between these two teams. USF playing BYU and Howard the first couple games. Florida, of course, Utah and Kentucky. So when you look at these stats, you know, they are skewed at the beginning of the season a bit, especially for Florida, the only country, the only team in the country to play two ranked opponents in the AP. So Florida, of course, now that's not a total excuse for some of the numbers and rankings we see here, uh, but there would be a lot of teams in the country who, if they opened up with Utah and they opened up Kentucky, their stats and where they rank would not be pretty. And that's really what you see right here for Florida on the offensive side. Florida, the 91st ranked offense according to total offense right there, 11th in the SEC, 365 yards a game. USF, not much better. As I said, they've even gotten an easier opponent there with Howard. They ranked 96 in the country. Uh, so not a lot of offense if you want to just go by rankings. But as I said, schedule comes in. Florida scoring offense comes in at 100. Rushing offense, there you go. Something you can point to positive for the Gators. 31st in college football right now, 6th in the SEC, 209.5 yards a game. But it's the passing offense for both teams right here. Both teams looking for improvement heading into this third game of the season. Florida's passing offense, 118th in the country, dead last in the SEC, 155.5 yards a game. Passing efficiency, 127th for the Gators. That's dead 
at last in the SEC as well. Touchdown and interception ratio, both teams tied for 126 in the country. That's dead last, of course, for Florida in the SEC. Zero touchdowns, two interception ratio. There's 131 teams in college football. Both teams ranked 126 touchdown and interception ratio. As I said, you definitely, at least for Florida, have to put the schedule into account. The numbers, if Florida had played a cupcake by now, these numbers would be a little better. That doesn't erase the fact that we know there are issues in the passing game. We know that. But they, it wouldn't be as ugly. And Florida gets their first chance this weekend versus USF. Moving to the other side of the ball, Florida's 71st in total defense. That's 10th in the SEC, 359 yards a game. 79th in scoring defense, 26 points a game. Rushing defense, 86 in the country right now, going against two good running teams. That Florida done okay, but as I said, you haven't got the cupcake yet to really get it down to – you know, giving up 40 yards a game or something like that. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what all this means. But playing the two tough opponents here, far, these are going to be skewed one more time. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see the graphics of all this. Makes it a little bit easier to follow. Trying to make it easier on the podcast version as well. The Florida 71st in total defense. USF's 126th. They played BYU and Howard. So they've gotten the cupcake. They've gotten a tough team in BYU at the same time. 126. So it does look like, of course, we'll get into it a bit. Florida should be able to rack up some yardage in this game. USF giving up 495.5 yards in the two games so far this season. Florida's passing defense is 60th, by the way, 209 yards given up. Turnover margin, we we know Florida's issues there. Minus one right now, the fumble game one. Uh, the turn the interceptions in game two versus Kentucky. That's tied for 93rd right now for the Gators. USF tied for 23rd there. Um, their value at plus two uh, right now for them. Sacks allowed both teams. Only given up a half a sack so far this year. One sack on the season. It's tied for 12th in the country for both teams. Opponent red zone percentage. Of course, we know Gators standing tall on defense there, so pretty good. Tied for 31st in the country, 70, 70% there for the Gators. Sacks per game, Gators at 86 with three a game. Or one and a half there, three on the season. My bad, one and a half per game. USF tied for 61st. They have four sacks on the season. Tackles for loss, 115 Ranked 115th are the Gators, seven on the season. USF, tied for 14th, 18 tackles for loss so far this year. So something offensive line will work against. We'll we'll shout out a couple players for USF to watch out uh, for all night, especially at the linebacker position there. So you're playing two good opponents there for Florida. We'll skew the results, of course. Even with the sacks and tackles for loss, you know, I, I still see a lot of action, a lot of havoc being caused up front for Florida. Now, a lot of that has been early in the games. They gave Levis some more problems in the second half. You know, his second half numbers were not great, and a lot of that was, you know, Florida had him running. Florida didn't keep him comfortable passing the ball in the second half there. 
So, you know, it's a sack, it's a tackle for loss. I'm not getting too caught up in that for the defense right now. I like what I see as far as pressure goes. But there's your a statistical comparison of Florida and USF. All right, so South Florida seeks first-ranked win in six seasons. They'll be trying to get their first road-ranked road win in 11 seasons. They posted their first win of this season last week using a dominated rushing performance versus Howard. Alongside three turnovers from the defense, they won 42-20 to in a home game there. USF logged six rushing touchdowns. They're mostly in the game since 2003. And 205 yards on the ground last week. Brian Beatty led the offense with 105 rushing yards, career-long 60-yard touchdown. Jaron Mangum logged two touchdowns in junior transfer. Michael Dukes posted two. They steamrolled Howard for 150 of their 205 rushing yards in the second half. Florida's given up some yards rushing in the second half this year, so something to keep an eye on there. Look, if we're looking for reasons this game might be closer than what we expect, I'm just going to try and you know point out some players to watch, some trends there. They did run for 150 yards in the second half last week. Yes, it's Howard. I know. Just maybe connecting some dots there. For them, their defense forced three turnovers last week, equaling their most posted in a game in the 2021 season, dating back to last year. In game one, they, they, did, they did play BYU. USF did. BYU built a 28 to nothing lead in the first quarter after strong performance from their offense as the Bulls' offense struggled to get first downs. BYU scored a touchdown first of the first, uh, four of the first five times it touched the ball getting a field goal on the sixth. Meanwhile, USF punted four times, lost possession on downs, and had a pick six on its first six possessions. So not a great start versus, you know, one, the, one of the better teams in the country right now. BYU, really good team, beat Baylor last week uh, in overtime. So you're looking at uh, the, a team that they have played that, of course, not the talent level Florida has, but – at this point, really good developed BYU team. A ranked opponent. USF going against another ranked opponent now in the Gators. Let's take a look at some of the players to watch for USF. Quarterback Gary Bo- Bohannon, one of the breakout stars last year, football season at Baylor. Went 10-2 and as Baylor's starting quarterback, leading the Bears to the Big 12 title in a Sugar Bowl win. Big-bodied quarterback, 6'3", 226 pounds. His entry into the NCAA transfer portal was a bit of a surprise um, and a byproduct of a pretty classy move by Baylor coach Dave Aranda. Bohannon was beaten out for the starting job this past spring at Baylor by reserve quarterback Blake Shapin. Aranda told Bohannon he'd be the backup, and by letting him know that, he gave him the option to enter the transfer portal to go find a starting job in his fifth season in college. So he arrived at USF in the summer, quickly become a leader, you saw what he did last year in the Big 12. So what it was pretty much a foregone conclusion. He was going to earn the starting job at USF. Did so week one in camp. <clears throat> Spent four seasons, played in 27 games at Baylor. Took the team from two wins 
Now, of course, that's 2020, but still. Then they win 12 games last year in his first season as starter. 2021, all Big 12 honorable mention. Passed for 2,200 yards, 18 touchdown passes, and ran for 323 yards and nine touchdowns. Number so far this year, though, has not translated at USF. Versus BYU, 17 of 30, 172 yards, no touchdowns, one interception, 200 total yards. Versus Howard last week, 17 of 28, 219 yards, no touchdowns, one interception, 228 total yards. Now, we know they ran the ball well with their running backs, but Bohannon didn't do much versus Howard either. The player to watch on the receiving end of his throws, wide receiver Xavier Weaver, 6'1", 180-pound wide receiver, led USF with a career-high 113 yards versus BYU. His second career 100-yard game. He had catches of 50 yards, 27 yards, 21 yards. He's 14th on USF career receiving chart with 1,187 yards. He needs 949 for the record. Led USF in receiving an 8 of 11 games last year. For the year, 41 catches, 715 yards, 17.3 yards per catch, two touchdowns. And watch him in the punt return game as well. Uh, in the running game, and this is probably why you see, you know, BYU stuffed the run there while USF couldn't do much, of course. And then last week, of course, against Howard, able to take advantage. <clears throat> but they went away, even with Bohannon coming in, it was to elevate the passing game. But USF, their top three rushers. All five starters return on the offensive line. From a season ago, USS offensive line brought 154 total career starts into the 2022 season. That led the nation by nearly 10. So a lot of experience in the backfield, a lot of experience up front on the offensive line. They want to run the ball. We'll see what Florida does there. First-year offensive coordinator Travis Trickett said USS offense will be fast-paced, attacking unit, They do have senior analyst Chad Morris, former Clemson offensive coordinator, head coach at SMU in Arkansas, of course. Uh, That can't be overlooked either. Trickett's a longtime believer uh, in in that offensive philosophy by Morris, integrated many elements of that offense in his previous stops and at USF this year. Florida stops that run game at, you know, you you got you, you like Florida's chances there. So watch the second half run. I mean, of course you want to watch and see how Florida starts, see if they start fast again uh, in stopping the run. But the second half, we want to see improvement from Florida on that side. And USF, you know, given it was Howard last week, you'd still like to see, all right, well, they ran the ball well in the second half. Florida has struggled there in the first two games to kind of keep the momentum going and stopping the run from first half to second half. Knowing what USF did last week, even though it was Howard, you'd like to see the Florida defense step up and have a great performance in the second half and soften the run. Let's move to the other side of the ball for the Bulls and on defense, USF looking to get back their best defender, linebacker Antonio Greer, senior linebacker, has led the Bulls in tackles, tackles for loss, and sacks the last two seasons. Florida had trouble with some linebackers last week. Versus Kentucky. Greer earned second team all-conference in both 2021 and 2020. Enters 2022 as USF's top returner in career tackles and tackles for loss with 209 tackles, 22 tackles for loss. Fellow linebacker Doreen 
Dwayne Boyles right behind with 206 tackles, 21 and a half tackles for loss. Greer led USF with 92 tackles, eight tackles for loss, three sacks in 2021. After leading the team with 59 tackles, three sacks, five and a half tackles for loss in the COVID shortened 2020 season. Dwayne Boyles led USF in tackles 75 and tackles for loss 12 and a half in 2019. And his 2020 season limited by missing action. Finished second on the team with 68 tackles in 2021 to Boyles. So you go, you look at these linebackers for USF, plenty of experience, plenty of proven experience at the linebacker position. They got numbers to, you know, I mean, of course, we know they're not playing in the SEC. They're not playing in, in P5. But still, at USF, they're putting up numbers, and they've been doing it for quite a few seasons. A lot of experience there. USF defense had just nine sacks last season. Clearly a priority for first-year defensive coordinator Bob Shoup. Transfer defensive end Jatorian Hansford recorded USF's first sack of the 2022 season in the opener versus BYU. Defensive end Tramel Logan, who added nearly 20 pounds in the offseason, produced a career-best two tackles for loss versus BYU. Bulls posted 11 tackles for loss and three sacks versus Howard. So four sacks on the season for the Bulls. The Gators have only allowed one sack, and it took six quarters for that to happen. We'd like to see the pressure handled a bit better, though, for Florida and the offensive line. Kentucky may not have had many sacks, of course, but their pressure really affected Richardson as the game went on last week. They didn't get as much pressure early as they did in the second half of the game. So the offensive line, look, for the most part, has been good for Florida. But they did give up some pressure last week. Sack numbers won't show that. So how do you attack if you're Florida and you're trying to get Anthony Richardson's confidence back? I mean, is it just as simple as it last week happened, bad night, he lost his confidence, and just by that game being over, throwing it away, the confidence is back. It was just a bad night. Now, that's, what, that, that's the easiest solution there. Or does he have to work to get the confidence back? So how do you attack this week with that in mind? We're not going to know. We're really not. I'm not even sure if the coaches really know. You really have to see Anthony Richardson's performance in practice this week to probably get any kind of indication which way that goes. But if you're looking at the game itself, is it to rely on a run game to open it up to make it even easier for Richardson? Or do you come out and attack through the air? Yes, this should be a game where you could work on some things. But what does that mean for for a game plan? It's not going to be a heavy, heavy game plan. You should just be able to out-talent, out-athlete this team. But confidence really has to start in practice this week. You could probably get a good starting point as to where Anthony Richardson's confidence is. If practice like this week is what we saw Saturday night, then there are issues, and and we know the run game is going to be needed even more. But if there's some confidence from this staff and what they see in practice this week, then maybe you see how Richardson handles more of the load once again, this time versus USF. Bulls will probably – try and emulate some of what Kentucky did and 
while we see they have good linebackers, they can't replicate the scheme and the and and, and the talent at linebacker that Kentucky has. Of course they're going to try though. I mean that's that's what's put on film that works. Make Anthony Richardson pass and take their chances there. Don't know how much we'll be able to take away from a good performance from Richardson, except for the fact that he hasn't completely lost confidence if he goes out there and plays well. But another poor performance would leave some doubt as to where this is headed. Good performance can be doubted as well, just because of the opponent who you're playing. But a good performance needs to be there regardless, moving forward, to have some confidence moving forward. Not in just Richardson, but the coaches having confidence and us as a fans and, and analyzing where the Gators are, you know, a good performance. It won't necessarily be an indicator of how the rest of the season will go, but a, a bad performance really could. It really could. On defense, you know, start fast by stopping the run again. And this is a game, hopefully, where we have seen it now, but maybe we see it even more playing some of the young guys that we've seen. And that goes for offense, too. And, you know, and the running back rotation on offense as well. That's something else I think we want to see. And maybe getting somebody else, another receiver involved in the, in the screen game uh, if, if it comes to that as well. I don't know how much we'll actually see that uh, with, with the screen. I'm not sure if this game will call for it as much. USF lows the box and maybe to, of course, spread them horizontally a bit. But if so, if we're talking about working on things, get a different receiver there to catch some of those screens and maybe more carries for ETN and Johnson moving forward. But on defense, start fast by stopping the run and do it with some of those young guys that we've seen. Shamar James, Chris McClellan, Devin Moore, Tyreek Sapp, Kamari Wilson, uh, Miguel Mitchell, Justice Boone, all played in both games this season. James has started both as a true freshman against Utah, and against Kentucky. It may be needed even more because of Ventro Miller. We'll get injury status some point this week, but even if he's healthy, do you really expect him to play this much this game? Should he even play much this game? Probably not. You'll get Jamar James some more experience, but then you'll kind of have to watch him as well. You know, if, if, if Miller's going to be out for some extended period of time, maybe, and James has proven to be a weapon at the linebacker position, then maybe you limit his snaps as well. But he's going to need to play more experience at this point in his career. Never a bad thing. He's sixth on the team in tackles right now with 11 so far. Florida underclassmen have accounted for 25 tackles so far this year. So pretty good there. You know what? That might even be 35. I'm trying to remember. I may have even written that. Yeah, 25 or 35. There, I, I think. And I think I read 35 and I may have in my notes here typed 25. But anyway, 25 or 35. Put it that way. <laughs> so either way, it's pretty good. But 35, of course, would be even better. Um, I don't have that note section up anymore. So, but I think I read 35 and may have typed it wrong. But either way, pretty good there for the Gators. Uh, so taking all that into account, you know, this is a game Florida should win pretty easy. I got a 41-13 score here for the Gators. I think the defense does their job. I don't think USF really has much to test 
Florida, like I said, we can point out some good players. We can point out some good stats that they've had at their level of competition. All in all, I really you know, think should, Florida should win this one pretty comfortably, whether they got to work on some things on offense or not. Now what could hold this back is you know, we get a passing performance like we saw last week. And then yikes, of course. I mean, I hope you get up. You know, you get up by either Big and Richardson comes out and, and you get some of the younger guys some experience. Anyway, we know Jack Miller would not be available for this game. Or if he struggles again, maybe just to, to, to sit him down for a bit. And I think still put him back out there after that to see if anything like that helps. I'm hoping we don't even have to worry about it, that we don't even have to see it. But the coaches will get a good indication at practice this week where he's at. Hoping for a big bounce back. Don't know how much it'll mean. But I think you need that good performance heading into Knoxville next week. So young guys on defense, stop that run game, both halves. And for offense, get some younger players involved there in the run game. Figure out some things in the passing game, of course. That goes for quarterback and the receivers. 41-13 Gators, score prediction there. So that'll do it for this episode of Gators Breakdown. Big thanks to Seth for joining us, giving his thoughts on what's happening on the field for the Gators. Remember to check out uh, later this week, sit down with Chris Doring, get his thoughts as well, where the Gators are so far this season. I'm the host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thank you for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown. Gators Breakdown.